Hello and welcome back to the Blue Ball. Blue Ball. <laughs> Hi, Kathy. What's up? <laughs> what's our transition? Actually, what's up? <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Blue Ball and My podcast. Today we're on episode ten and we'll be talking about a real struggle of hashtag adulting, which is decision making. Um, and this is presented to you by people who think too much. We'll be sharing some of our personal experiences of significant life decisions, along with the factors that impact our choices. We'll also be thinking about why we overthink so much, ironically. So, hi, Kathy. Um, how are you? And are you in the midst of making any decisions lately? I'm good. Um, I feel like there are some decisions that could be coming up in the couple next couple of months. Um, with my uh, job, um, and also I applied for my master's, so um, should also be hearing back from that in, I would hope, um, fingers crossed in the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah, and that that's mainly um some potential significant um changes that might be happening. What about you? I am on the same boat with the latter um, about graduate school. So that's kind of been the thing the past couple of months. I've been hearing back from university. So right now my main decision making is selecting the program that I'll commit to, um, which has been quite stressful to say the least. Mm -hmm, for sure. So I'll, I'll kind of start off in terms of our personal experiences. Um, so for me, kind of the the first big kind of significant decision I had to make was which university I wanted to go to with my undergraduate degree. And I ended up, I guess I wasn't very intentional back then. Um, I, I chose a local uh, university Um and I applied to that, and then I was like, okay, I'll apply to UBC as well. Who knows? I get in. Um, but now that I, you know, you know, you can imagine all the logistical costs and considerations that came along with it, like tuition costs, um, having to move or travel to get to that school, um, and also, yeah, I guess prestige and things like that ha have to do with it as well. Um, but yeah, for me, I was initially going to stay and go to the local university. But um, after I received an offer, I was like, okay, well, then I'll go um, to UBC. And yeah, I feel like looking back on it now, that was a pretty um, pivotal decision, I feel like, in terms of who I am today from making that decision. So even though it could have been, you know, lots of planning was involved and you know I took out loans because of going to UBC I think I gained a lot more than if I stayed and went to the local university what about you Rachel yeah I think probably one of the most uh memorable decision that I had to make one of the first would also be selecting like undergrad and where I would go um for myself like it wasn't there wasn't much of a decision in terms of whether or not I want to take a gap year. It was just kind of the natural next step for me after high school based on like family expectations and such. Um, 
And in terms of uh, which universities to apply to, I kind of, I don't know. I feel like it was kind of also a natural choice for me to pick uh, UBC um, as well as SFU because they are local in the province for me. And I did also apply to Alberta kind of as like a backup um, because my parents really didn't want me to move out of the province and they thought like, Alberta is close enough <laughs> that like it'll be fine if you go to Alberta if you don't get into UBC. Um, so yeah, like that was kind of like the first like life decision, I guess, but it wasn't like I didn't really consider too much. Um, in terms of like selecting the program, though, I guess like in the later years of uh, high school was when I had to kind of pick. Um, I knew I wanted to do the sciences. At first, I think I wanted to do pharmacy. Then I realized I sucked at chemistry. <laughs> um, so I was like, um, yeah, maybe not. I also did like, um, I think they called it work experience or something. It's like a short term, I think two weeks mm -hmm. kind of um, hands on you're working in the pharmacy. So I kind of did that. Didn't like the environment at all and was like, will never want to work here. So that kind of just was out of sight from then on. Um, mm -hmm. And then I wanted to try other things. And I think at the same time was, when I kind of got involved with like our school's nutrition club and then I found a lot of interest in nutrition I started like managing my diet story for another time um, and like exercising a lot more and I think like that whole lifestyle change really like drew my interest into studying nutrition further um, so yeah like nutrition I think really narrowed down uh, where I wanted to go next because um, for example, like SV doesn't have like a nutrition major, they have a health sciences program, uh, whereas UBC has like a few nutrition and health programs. So that was kind of like the natural choice for me. Um, and so when I received offers, um, I did receive offers from all three universities, but UBC just made the most sense to me, um, given my interest at the time. Um, but yeah, I guess that was kind of like the first major life decision that I had to make. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for me, actually, like I I was in sciences for the first two years because I didn't know like food, nutrition and health was a thing, um, like a discipline wasn't really talked about at my school. And we had cooking classes, but we didn't really have like nutrition clubs or anything like that. Um, so it wasn't until I took a public health course in my second year as an elective where I really fully enjoyed it. Um, it was the first time that I was so interested in the content. Um, of a course and like so engaged in what I was learning and it actually took a friend to encourage me um to transfer because I was like oh is this gonna extend my degree do I have to retake any courses like um all of these other things um but it ended up being a pretty um it like worked out well when I applied and I feel like it was one of the best decisions I made um in my undergrad it really influenced um who I am today in terms of my values the things I care about and the type of work I want to do um and also LFS is such a small faculty I was able to connect with everyone even though I was a, technically a year younger um in terms of um cohort but yeah it ended up working out and didn't even extend my degree at all I took one summer of classes um and then I was basically caught up with the rest of the students transferring faculties and majors I know like a lot of students go through that kind of pivotal switch um 
for myself, I didn't have that. But I guess like something that I did contemplate originally when I went to UBC for nutrition, like within, I found out quickly within the first year, but the intent was for me to uh, pursue a dietetics major and become a registered dietitian, which I think like a lot of ELVA students can relate to. Um, I think like at the time I had a pretty narrow perception of what like health was. And I really thought that people aren't healthy because of diet, which is true to an extent. But then the more that I learned and saw, like the more I realized the impact of, you know, uh, social determinants of health, right? Um, and that kind of, kind of uh, drove my interest towards more public health related uh, courses. Um, so I decided to stay in the general major in order to have like more flexibility to take different electives. Um, later on, I, I've always enjoyed psychology. Like it's my, it's always been like one of my favorite subjects from high school as well. Um, and I like to think that if I didn't study nutrition, I would study a BA in psych instead. And so when the opportunity to like minor in psychology came around, I really had to contemplate um, because in our faculty, in order to do like a specialization in a minor, you have to do 30 credits, which basically extends your degree by a year. Um, so I think like I really sat on that and it took me a really long time to decide on that. Um, and that I didn't actually apply to do the minor until third year. Um, so I kind of sat on it for two years. I definitely don't regret it, even though it extended my degree. I really feel like knowledge that I've gained and also like genuine enjoyment of the courses in psychology really made my degree like more meaningful. Um, but yeah, like I think deciding to minor in psych was a difficult decision because like, like I mentioned, it extended the amount of time I needed to finish my degree, but also like obviously extra cost. Um, yeah, like right now the major life decision as I alluded to earlier in our conversation is deciding on my next steps in terms of grad school. Um, so I think like for me, as I mentioned with like my newly found interest in public health at the moment, I had the idea that I wanted to pursue graduate school in public health, so doing a master in public health, but I really didn't think that would be straight from undergrad um, until this year, uh, I guess last year, 2020, uh, when COVID-19 unfolded and we really saw like public health surface as a topic of urgency as well as various examples of social inequities that really, like for me, pushed me into prioritizing this um, and just giving it giving it a shot, uh, you know, just to see what happens. So I think like last May was when I thought of applying straight uh, from undergrad um, and kind of started that process of internal debate, like whether that's worth it. Um, because there's obviously there's uh, application costs associated and it's a pretty long process of getting your application ready and like reaching out for references, so on and so forth. Um, so my entire summer was just like on and off. Should I apply or should I not? Like, is it worth the money? Is it worth the time? Um, in the end, I did uh, decide that I wanted to apply and then was like the second phase of like, okay, where do I apply? Um, so that was like a process of deciding, do I want to go international? Um, I guess the choice is pretty clear financially. It just wasn't worth the investment for me to study public health uh, internationally. So I narrowed down to Canadian schools, um, but then 
basically every university has some form of public health um, to, uh, program. So I had to really narrow down in terms of how many schools I wanted to apply to. And how I did that was through a spreadsheet. <laughs> so I basically spent a few months um, just researching public health programs um, and then putting all the information into a spreadsheet, including all the tuition costs, the curriculum information, the length of the program, the um, practicum opportunities, um, stuff like that, and wrote all that down into a spreadsheet and then kind of gave like quantitative rankings to each of these different factors, which also included things like location, um, reputation, and like how well I think my career interests fit with what the program has to offer. And so I did that. Um, took a really long time, actually, I feel like, to gather all the information, synthesize them, and like actually then narrow down to the universities that I did end up applying to. Um, I did apply to four, which I think is like an average amount. I'm not sure. Like, I feel like people can apply anywhere between like one to like 10 when it comes to applying for a master's. Um, I applied to four just because I really couldn't narrow down further from the four that I did apply to. Um, so then, yeah, I guess the next phase was creating, you know, my letter of intent or statement of purpose and then fine tuning my uh, experiences in my CV resume. Uh, the hardest part for me was selecting my references. It stressed me out so much because I had to think like who could advocate for me and really speak to my strengths, but also who might be um, appropriate in terms of, because some schools have preferences in terms of professional versus academic references. So I had to make those considerations as well. Um, I think the reference part was probably the hardest for me, um, just because I feel like it was that one component that I don't have full control over, if you know what I mean. Um, whereas like experiences and like my letter are things that I can continue to work on. References are things that I feel like I don't really know. Like, I don't know what people would write about me. Yes, yeah, so that has been done. So my current dilemma, um, very grateful to have heard back and received offers for multiple programs, but then the looming decision of where do I actually go? <laughs> I know I mentioned I had that spreadsheet, but I guess like at the time I really didn't think that I would receive any offers to be frank or like even have the luxury of choosing between programs. So now that I have the choice, it's been a real struggle of actually weighing out where I want to go. Um, now also thinking about, um, I guess like two years after the program, what would my choice now like impact? Um, even things like if I were to go to a different province, like will I stay there after uh, I graduate? Um, will I have a practicum there? Because then that would mean that I would have like an established network elsewhere outside of home. Um, so those are kind of like the things that I'm weighing out right now um, to be updated. Like I'm still kind of bouncing between my options here, but a decision does have to be made pretty soon. Um, now that uh, acceptance deadlines as well as like deposit deadlines are near. Thanks for listening to my monologue. What about you? <laughs>
Um, for me, it was like a little bit different. Um, like kind of how I started, it was kind of pretty quick. I feel like after I finished paying off my student loans, which was at the end of October, um, like a month later, I started thinking about like next steps. Like um, usually I knew that grad programs close at the end of the year or like early January. And so I was like, okay, I don't know if I have enough time to like contact references and like look at programs and stuff. But I was just doing research. Um, into programs and then I saw one that had a deadline of end of February and I was like okay I think I have enough time to get that ready um and for me it was different I only had one school that I wanted to apply to I, I was thinking of two and then I talked to a friend who was in one of the programs and she um yeah I was trying to my most important um kind of assessment um of the the program was the quality of the program. Um, what was the curriculum? Obviously costs and things like that, but both of them were pretty local schools, comparable tuition prices. That wasn't a big issue. It was mainly um, what would I be learning? And yeah, what kind of person would I be at the end of that program? And so one school just kind of fit right into um, not only being interesting in terms of what I wanna learn, but also it was just quite an innovative, um, they had in innovative curriculum and um, there's an opportunity to do research, which is, which is actually pretty cool. And um, it's an interdisciplinary degree, which I always like. Um, so for me, that, that was kind of the considerations. I also made a spreadsheet and I also did rankings. Um, and yeah. And then I, would constantly look at um, the program websites while I was making decisions, but it was helpful because I had uh, a peer who was in one of the programs to actually give me feedback when I asked them questions to actually be able to compare one program to another. And so I think that kind of expedited my decision. And so basically for me, I'm just waiting back to hear from one school. And I guess the decision would be depending on if um, I get in or not. Um, you know, maybe I would reapply or, or have to make some other decisions. I guess this is something that I haven't really had to experience, but um, in terms of career, what are some of the considerations that you go through when thinking about how you want to take your next steps? Um, for example, uh, selecting different opportunities or knowing when is the appropriate time to move on to a new opportunity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, in my recent position, um, uh, that was the first time I had to make that decision. Um, I don't think I was actively, yeah, I wasn't actively looking at that time. Um, a colleague in the office um, reached out to me about an opportunity. And then for me, I guess I'm a little bit like, I don't want to say that I'm indecisive, but I want to be very thorough with um you know, thinking through my decision. And so I consulted a lot of people like friends, coworkers, um, peers, other people um, to kind of, I don't know, like bounce, bounce ideas off, but also make sure that, you know, I'm not missing anything that, you know, that I don't have any blind spots in my decision. Um, and I think like a large part of that was trying to see where is my career going um, 
and that's usually hard to tell like um it's so uncertain what you'll end up doing and a lot of times we just imagine we have a really linear career path um but i think with new each new experience that presents itself either you're applying for it or um you come across an opportunity it affects kind of it does have an impact on your future opportunities as well depending on what you do like i can't imagine um how it it would be if i didn't say yes to this new opportunity and i stayed in my previous position um i think i would have missed out on a a lot of growth and potential and also new revelations in terms of learning more about myself the type of work i want to do and my career path um so for me that was kind of the the things that the main things that i had to think about and it took me like a week to decide um and yeah i mainly just wanted to make sure i wasn't letting people down like the other thing that i also do a lot is i am usually not thinking of myself i was thinking of the team that i was potentially leading mm-hmm. for this new position and like you know oh it's covid like I can't just leave the team like the, the the transition like all of that stuff right but at the end of the day it's kind of like you do have to prioritize yourself um and you know to be able to pursue opportunities they were obviously extremely supportive when I talked to my supervisor that was also a stressful conversation I stressed about as well but also like really supportive and it's kind of a little bit when these things come up it's kind of like oh that's just like just it's just business you know it's like you don't need to kind of take so much responsibility in in that sense um yeah so 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 that's kind of um the 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 kind of decisions that I've had to make and I feel like that I'll potentially make within the coming months as well um for this position too Mm -hmm. I feel like um when you shared that kind of the major influence or like the thing that you consider first are like the people that you work with um and you like even think of that before like yourself I feel like I can really relate to that um not in terms of like full-time jobs because I've never been in a full-time position but even with like things like student leadership right whether or not to continue or like um if new opportunities come up I find it definitely really challenging for me um to leave uh because I consider like the team that I work with um and I feel like yeah in a way I'm like letting people down if I leave um especially if it's kind of like there's an expected term for you to stay um and I haven't really I don't think made the decision to move to a new opportunity before like the end of uh kind of the expected timeline so don't know what that's like But the one example Mm -hmm. I can think of is this contract position that I had um, in my second year or third year, I don't remember now. Um, But basically I had like a couple of contract extension. Um, This was a position that was filling in for someone who was on sick leave. Um, And so I guess they didn't know when she would be able to come back. Um, And I was just filling in her position for her part-time. So obviously my extension was because she needed to extend her pay leave um so i accepted the first extension but then i guess i didn't find that i was growing um from the position as much as i would have liked and there were also other priorities at the moment so i actually felt really bad like not 
continuing um, with the second extension that was offered to me. But like you said, like sometimes you just have mm -hmm. to pick what's best for you. Um, and like the fact that mm -hmm. it's an offer, not like an obligation uh, for you to continue. Um, mm -hmm. I guess something yeah. else that really yeah. helps me, like my mom always reminds me like, I don't know if this is a good thing to say, but she's always telling me that you're not that important. <laughs> like the world can still function without you. Mm -hmm. So it's like you might think it's mm -hmm. selfish mm -hmm. to move on, but that's kind of like the reality. Like obviously there's an important part to properly like transitioning off and handling responsibly, like in terms of your response uh, in terms of your tasks. Um, but at the end of the day, like if there's another better opportunity that presents itself to you like go for it I guess it's kind of what my mom always has told me mm -hmm. um, to think mm -hmm. no yeah I, I agree with your mom and I think like yeah she's saying it I feel like in like the <laughs> yeah. Asian tough love kind of way I guess um is that you don't owe your your organization any loyalty because if they really wanted to keep you they would look into their budget they would come up with a better mm -hmm. offer they would change your job they create a new position for you like they really wanted you to stay there and really valued you I think that would be the type of loyalty that you would expect if, if they were also wanting like in terms of a reciprocal relationship yeah. right so I feel like we naturally just start building up loyalty to an organization that we work for even though the organization has yet to show us that same loyalty and then we feel guilty mm. about leaving um I feel like it potentially could be part of potentially enemy and I'm only speaking from my experience and potentially yours if you can relate but I, I think it is a little yeah. bit of like Asian culture where it's like don't bother people like don't make people I was do thinking extra about work. that like exactly because I feel like um in Asia it's a lot more common for people to just stay at one company like forever until their retirement I think that's just much more common mm -hmm. there than here um as far as I've seen um, and mm -hmm. that comes with that like loyalty mm -hmm. piece as well as um, the mm -hmm. idea that you always have to work from the bottom up. Um, so like, yeah, there's that, I don't know how to explain it, but there's that word of saying, um, going to like a different company, it's seen as like, um, yeah, this loyalty to your organization. Like, like yeah, betrayal. betrayal, exactly. Like it kind of has that nuance in Asian culture. Whereas here, it's like, if you move on mm -hmm. to another opportunity, I feel like the organization or like the supervisors, their first reaction would be to congratulate you. They wouldn't think that like you're betraying your team by going to like a place, mm -hmm. another mm -hmm. place. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think it's definitely yeah. tied in yeah. with culture. Yeah. Cause, mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I think for like organizations in like Asia, I think that the way they treat employees could potentially be different from, you know, in western countries like Canada like it could be that when they take new recruits and stuff they actually take care of them a lot you know what I mean like they pour a lot of resources into developing um these new recruits and they want them to stay a really long time whereas I think in Canada it might not be that much really like you know they hire people who they think like fit the qualifications and can do the work and um you know there's obviously like ageism and credentialism and all of the isms that go on um but I think it's less 
apparent. Like they might have biases and prejudices in the office about like, uh, oh, you should like go from the bottom up of like working four years in this junior position, then going into this senior position, and then you get into this other managerial position. Whereas in other companies, it could be that you just you just you just like put your name in the hat, right? Like there there are certain positions that I just put my name in the hat where I'm like. I don't know if I have enough experience for this um, to do it. And I think it really, it's, it varies. Like it depends on the people who are hiring to determine if you're qualified or not. Um, yeah. So I think there's just a lot of, um, it's more of like, uh, what, what would you call it? It would be like covert or um, kind of hidden um, between the line type of cultures and like workplace practices mm -hmm. if you know what I mean um so do you consider yourself as someone who overthinks a lot because I definitely do I feel like <laughs> it contributes to my poor sleep because I spend hours at night trying to fall asleep but then I think about irrelevant things um for hours and then yeah I don't know I feel like I always overthink Mm -hmm. I think for me, I, I, it, yes, overthinking is one way to put it. I also think it's like, like there's kind of two things. I do overthink, like when you mentioned that you would stay up at night, like with your brain just like can't turn off. That happens to me with like job mm -hmm. interviews and stuff. It just keeps me up because what I'll be doing is I'll literally be imagining in my head me what too. answers <laughs> I'll be giving to the, the interviewer. And then I'm constantly just thinking of like, what am I going to answer? And like, what words am I going to use? And it's so, I can't even control it, like as much as I try. Um, and yeah, so for me, I find that that's overthinking. Like, it's weird. Like, I wish I could turn that off. Um, for me, when it comes to decision making and, and coming to decisions and stuff, I think it is more of a strategic planning on overdrive, mm -hmm. if you know what I mean. Like when I was looking into grad schools, one of the schools I looked into was um, SFU. And I was, and before I decided to apply, not only did I um, look into tuition and curriculum and all of that stuff, just regular logistical things, I was thinking like, okay, how am I gonna transit there? Like, let me try to go into Google Maps now and like do the route, like what does the route look like? and all that stuff and it's the same with like you know certain jobs that I apply for and they'll mention like oh you need to like have a car even before deciding to apply I'm like looking up used car prices like mm -hmm. on the internet like okay what are the prices right now so a lot of it I feel like has to do with imagining myself in it and what I need to know or need to do once I get there and if I want to do all that stuff <laughs> um and yeah, so even before making a decision of putting any time or effort, that I feel like is planning like 20 steps ahead, right? Uh, of like, okay, what if I imagine I'm already in the program or I got this job? Okay, how am I going to like be able to execute the work or get to the school? I can definitely relate to the example of like imagining yourself um, in whatever decision you're about to make. Um, for me, like with grad school, so I applied to Alberta, University of Alberta, and one of my friends uh, did her undergrad uh, in Alberta. So we had this talk about like, you know, Alberta life in Edmonton. I've never 
been to Edmonton. So I don't really know what it's like. I just have like the stereotypical perception of, you know, being cold. I don't know. I don't think that's stereotypical. I think that's fact. Like it's very mm -hmm. cold there um, compared to here at least. Um, so I guess like a lot of our conversation was just about mm -hmm. like what life is like there and the campus culture and everything. Um, and I already started like imagining like, oh, do I want to live on campus or off campus? And then things like, mm -hmm. oh, like mm -hmm. two years mm -hmm. after I graduate from the program, can I imagine myself living in Edmonton, being in Albertan, like starting a family in Alberta, you know, like just things like that. That's like way, like way down the road. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So yeah, mm -hmm. like one thing that we talked about was already like finding like a church to go to. And I'm like, I think that's too far ahead, you know, like mm -hmm, I have to mm -hmm. like first, like actually decide that I mm -hmm, want to go mm -hmm. to Alberta. Um, but like things like that, mm -hmm. I already started mm -hmm. thinking about um, and even like with Toronto, I also applied to University of Toronto. I already looked into like, oh, I wonder what the residences are like at U of T, because I know the campus is quite different than at UBC, mm -hmm. um, because of like the downtown campus, you're basically in the middle of the city. And I'm like, I wonder how residences are like there and like the pricing and like, oh, what if I want to live off campus in like a nice Toronto, like downtown apartment? How much would that cost? Can't afford it. But you know, like just stuff like that. Imagine mm -hmm. like what life would be like if I were to pick like, you know, between these mm -hmm. different universities versus, oh, if I just stayed at UBC, what would my everyday life look like, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then like that's on top of trying to make sure we're not making mm -hmm. the wrong decision, right? Like, like the, I feel like a lot of it's logistical and like imagining and, and trying to make sure we can like execute it. Like, how am I gonna, if I'm gonna do this thing, how am I gonna like get there, right? What are all the things I need to like check off the list? Yeah, and I feel like the other big thing is like, yeah, like am I making a wrong decision? Like that's why, that's what I spent a lot of my time doing in terms of asking friends and connecting with peers and colleagues and stuff is to make sure yeah that I'm not making a wrong decision um and I actually do similar stuff in terms of preparation for like job interviews too like I research into the place that I'm applying for like so much like looking at all the pages on their website looking up all the people like on LinkedIn, looking at like strategic plans and stuff like that, like trying to come in. I mean, it's not, it's not gonna happen, but trying and attempting to come in to know a lot as if I'm in the program, as this, as if I work there already, you know? Um, yeah, which I find is sometimes like overkill, like, because for me, it's like, I don't want to be unprepared. Like that's the biggest thing that I worry about is like not being prepared. And then something happening and then yeah just like not knowing what to do and I think that also extends to the overthinking thing for other decisions too right like if I apply and like get in you know I need to know about like for example with your U of T housing you need to know like when mm -hmm. are housing deadlines what's the application process like what's the finance situation like so yeah yeah I even looked into like the floor plans and like the meal plans and like how roommate selection is like just like way too much details for what I need to know right now um I was also thinking like even mm -hmm. before I applied to graduate school I was thinking about potentially taking like a gap year aka like not actually find a job related to my career but to explore like and travel um obviously I didn't know about like COVID-19 being this 
long. Um, so I was like looking into this program in Korea, it's called Talk. Um, basically you're teaching um, English to like elementary age uh, mm. children. Um, so, and then you get like accommodation and everything. You get like a stipend and like allowances, I think. Um, so that was kind of like one thing that I looked into and I already like researched into like the potential like um, villages and like, cause they're mainly in rural areas. So I already like looked into a lot of that and like watched like so many vlogs about what it's like to be like a talk teacher and stuff like that um, before even actually like mm -hmm. firmly committing mm -hmm. to applying. And that's like the depth of the research I do. Yeah, yeah, I, I did the same thing. Yeah, I did the same thing when yeah. I looked into the JET program too. Like I, we, I think the thing is we yes, just go down into rabbit sure. holes. Like before actually like thinking like, oh, do uh -huh. I actually want to go down this rabbit hole? Like, is this a good rabbit hole? <laughs> is it worth my time and investment? We're already like just down there. Yeah, like... <laughs> after I came back from traveling in Singapore, I looked into like, how do I become a PR in Singapore? <laughs> Wild. Um, I looked into it and like what it's like to be an expat yeah, in yeah. Singapore. Cause I was just like, oh, I wonder what it would be like to live here. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think it's impossible if I really wanted to. I definitely can. So I'm like, why not just look into it and see like mm -hmm. what the processes mm -hmm. are. So like, what do you think are are some of like the roots of our overthinking? Mm, I think for me, I like to have some sort of control, like in terms of my decisions. So I think like overthinking and like researching into all these different dimensions just helps me feel more secure with my choices because I already did so much like thinking and consideration so that makes sense I think like that's like the main thing for me mm. I don't think it's a good thing though like that I want so much control over my life because then I obviously miss out on a lot of the things that I don't see right away um, and sometimes that closes me in um, kind of mm -hmm. like mm -hmm pigeonhole myself into like a linear path which obviously life isn't um like that so I think for me like it's the desire for just self-control and like full control over what's to happen next yeah I think for me like the main thing like overarching is I want to be able to solve potential problems that will like before they happen like as if I'm trying to predict the future. Um, I want to be prepared for like everything and anything basically, right? Um, and there are like negative uh, kind of roots to this overthinking too. Um, like for example, like in, in job search and stuff like that, I've, I've experienced like self-sabotage where like I essentially say that I'm not a good candidate and tell myself not to apply and in this case, like in my in a, another job search that I did, I just threw my application in, even though I was like, I don't think I'm qualified, and it ended up um, getting an interview for it. Um, and then obviously, like imposter syndrome is like so prevalent, just thinking that like mm -hmm. you're just like not good enough, and like someone's just gonna find out, like they're gonna think they'll they'll, they'll know that you're faking it, you know. Um, and yeah, I think it's 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 trying to. Um, make uncertain situations as certain as possible, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah, and I'm sure there's also like just like anxiety of not knowing. For me, like mm -hmm. I don't like not knowing things. It's the same thing as how I approach 
coursework in undergrad, I would read through the syllabus on the first day, start playing out my whole semester the first day. And like when I was going to do my readings, like setting everything up. Um, and so and so that that's mostly, um, yeah, like kind of the, the reasons or the roots, I guess, of my overthinking or, yeah. or strategic anxiety planning. definitely plays a role in terms of like how I approach courses and like course related deadlines such as like exams or like assignments um I also look through the entire syllabus probably before class starts as soon as it's uploaded I'm on it it's like in my calendar and I'm already making plans um I guess like a recent example I only have one exam this semester and it's actually pretty chill it's the final exam but it's worth 25 percent so it's not like that big and I feel pretty like okay about it like I don't foresee struggling too much but like <laughs> I started studying last week and this exam is on the 21st so I have like three weeks to study for this pretty like small-ish exam I guess compared to some of the other ones that I've had and I think like most students wouldn't mm -hmm. like do that just because it's so far away but for me it's just like if I leave it to like anywhere mm -hmm. less than that like if I squish myself with like a window of a week I would just feel so anxious like I just need to mm -hmm, pace it mm -hmm. out and plan mm -hmm, like mm -hmm, far ahead mm -hmm. um, for the sake of my yeah. <laughs> mental health no I 100% agree with you yeah yeah no no it's like totally yeah like when you said that it reminded me that um like another thing is that yeah I don't want to stress out future Kathy um and that's the reason why I plan so much because like yeah same for me mm -hmm. for finals I study four weeks ahead and then for midterms, I say two weeks ahead. And then for like papers that are due at the end of term, I start <laughs> in the first month of the semester. Um, yeah, and I think that's the same thing with like, you know, going down the rabbit hole for a bunch of the experiences that we talked about today. Um, yeah, we just don't wanna be stressed out <laughs> by like getting caught off guard or not knowing something or missing a deadline or yeah, just, like, you know, if we make a, a decision, we want to make sure that we can actually follow through and not have things like you miss a deadline be the reason why you couldn't do something, you know? Yeah, relating to imposter syndrome that you mentioned earlier, I feel like, yeah, that definitely really impacts like my career related decisions or even just like community involvement because I really do struggle with thinking that I'm not qualified enough and like that really hinders like me taking on new opportunities um, and leads to, you know, a rabbit hole of overthinking and like, oh, should I apply? Should I not? Um, kind of like what happened with grad school because I just didn't feel like I was qualified. So one part of me is like, oh, we should give it a try, right? Like what's there to lose? I mean, you, I lose my application fees at the very least, but like I thought, like that one side of me was telling me that I should go for it and give it a shot. But then the other side of me is like, oh, you're just wasting time and money because you're not qualified. Like why even bother? So it's always that like internal debate whenever it comes to applying for new opportunities or like new jobs and stuff. Um, keeps me up at night. And mm -hmm, even mm -hmm. in situations mm -hmm. where I've already gotten the opportunity and I'm like currently working in a certain position, I still have moments where I'm like, oh, I feel like mm -hmm. I just got lucky. Like, I don't actually deserve this. Um, and I feel like, yeah, like a fraud, right? Like, that's mm -hmm. the basis of mm -hmm. imposter syndrome. And I really struggle with that. Mm -hmm. Just have to, like, give mm -hmm. myself positive mm -hmm. affirmation 
Um, and yeah, just something mm -hmm. that I've been constantly struggling but working on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like it's something that you like constantly kind of have to work on because I've, I've been, yeah, like trying to remind myself, for example, that like for that position that I ended up getting an interview for that I didn't feel qual I qualified for, I was like, when they're assessing using my career education knowledge, when they're assessing applications, if they invite you to an interview, it means you're qualified for the job. And now they need to ask you questions to determine like the fit and all that stuff, right? And so I try to tell myself that, that I am qualified. And I feel like it doesn't help because in interviews and stuff like that, it's such a power dynamic. Um, and yeah, like that, that's also another thing that um, you have to navigate. But have you ever regretted any decisions that you made? Mm -hmm. For me, it's a yes and a no, because um, there's two sides of it. Like, I think I'm very reflective and I overthink a lot. Haha. <laughs> um, so like that leads me into just, yeah, like doing a lot of reflection on past decisions and like kind of like that meta type of thinking of, oh, how certain things led to other opportunities that led to like who I am or like what opportunities that I have now. Um, so in a way, I'm like, oh, what if I made a different decision at this point? Maybe I would have gotten this other opportunity or like pursued like this other thing. Like I just think about a lot of these abstract possibilities. Um, and at certain points, I would think like, oh, I mm -hmm. feel like I really should have stayed and pursued this um, instead of like giving up, like stuff like that. So I do find myself in moments of regret. Like mm -hmm. one example is like with piano, I don't know why I quit. And I feel like that's something that I thought I regretted, uh, just giving up kind of um, and not pursuing further. But then mm. obviously like if I did pursue that further, I don't think I would be who I am now. Like I wouldn't have the other experiences that I earned because of that extra time. So that's the no mm. part uh, where I'm like, mm. I understand that everything that happened up to this point made of like who I am today. And there's really no point, like, thinking retrospectively. Mm. Oh, like, regret. Like, I think spending so much time in regret, which I do, is just, like, a waste of time because there's nothing I can really do about what I've done in the past. So every time I do, like, find myself dwelling in this mm -hmm. type of mindset, I just remind myself that, like, I don't have control over what happened in the past. And the only thing I can do, like, from now is to move onwards, right? So yes and no. That's my vague answer. But what mm -hmm. about you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I agree with a lot of what you said. I think that I I don't regret the experiences I've had so far has, yeah, maybe become the person I am today, given me the experiences, whether positive or negative. Um, it What it does make me think of, and to your point of like, I don't really wallow in regret. What I think about is how did my past decisions or non-decisions or disengagements? So for example, when I graduated, I was like, oh, I'm not good enough to do X role. I think I need to do a more junior role. So I apply for those. And I was extremely qualified for those. I had no growth um, within those roles after a few months. Um, and now for me, knowing that of like, I didn't even try to apply for the other positions because I already basically imposter self-sabotage myself out and filtered myself out, even though that's what the hiring team is for, right? So I made the decision that, no, I'm not good enough, so I won't apply for those. Um, and then now I see 
it's and it's and it's interesting because I'll see other people that fresh out of graduation are doing those roles um, and had like similar experiences to me and things like that. And I'm like, I what if I applied during like back then? Because even if I heard back and let's say it was a no, I would have been able to know like, OK, wasn't what they were looking for at that moment. You know, we can try again in the future and whatnot. Um, and so now, like, that's kind of the perspective I take is that I'll apply for positions, even though I'll have like the whole self-sabotage and imposter syndrome feeling. And it's helpful because usually when I tell my friends and stuff, they're like, no, Kathy, just like apply, just just put your name in the hat, just do it. And that I think is really encouraging, I find. And then, yeah, it makes me apply for roles where I still don't think that I'm qualified for it. But I always just think back of like the times I didn't apply and you know, what could have been. And so I feel like that is not necessarily regret, but it's kind of like learning from past decisions and how to make decisions. I feel like that might give me more opportunities to go towards, um, yeah, certain goals I have and can help me achieve um, the things mm -hmm. I want to. I think that's life, a great way know? to put it. Um, now that I think about it again, like I think the moments in my life that I regret it were moments where I had self-doubt and like stopped myself from pursuing something that I wanted to and I think like those are the times that stand out as moments of regret so I think like what you mentioned learning from those and um just like considering that as you make future decisions I think it's a good mindset to carry forward mm -hmm. yeah and I think I had personal experience right like with this new position when I look at the job description, it makes me nervous. Like when I look at, and I, and I, and I actually ask, like, I actually do this. Like, is, is this actually like what I do? <laughs> like when I look at the job description. And so I think a lot of it is, yeah. Like when you just have self-doubt, um, that like really impacts your opportunities. Um, because yeah, the position I'm currently in now is one where I imagined I would do straight out of graduation or I wanted to do. Right. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, at least trying, even though it does take time and effort, will at least give you some information, and mm -hmm. at least you, you tried. So one example that I heard from a colleague today is that she would say, um, you know, you won't win the lottery until you buy a lottery ticket. So in the same way, if you don't apply for something, the answer is 100% no. But if you do apply for something, you'll have a chance that's greater than 0%. Mm -hmm. 